0: shadows
1: of imagination it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror
0: Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation.
1: So today's movie, boys and girls, is Attack the Block, which, from the title, y- you can't really draw anything about what this movie is going
0: to be about. It's it's interesting. It is. It's um, it's a British film from 2011, and it kind of has almost a like a Goonies kind of feel to it. It really did.
1: Uh, uh, watching it, I, I, I'm. Changed a couple times a little bit. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of like predator. Oh, this is kind of like Goonies. Oh, this is a little bit like Shaun of the dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Funny. You mentioned that because yeah. we have some crossover between the two. Um, this movie. It's, it's, it's got a humorous feel to it, but the, I think one of the most fascinating things about it is how authentic it is. Um the guy who wrote it and directed it will get into it a lot, but he really that was his whole point to this was to really get in there and say this is what life's like uh in the projects in London, so it
1: just so happens to be during an alien invasion, so yes. there's a little bit that's not as realistic, so <laughs> but I thought yeah I, I really did
0: yeah, this movie had a thirteen million dollar budget uh um, wow. and it it grossed uh one point two Two million in the U.S. and six point two million worldwide. So, okay. yeah, it didn't make a whole ton of money on the release. However, it's been uh, picked up enough in P- DVD sales and streaming and things. It's popular enough. A second one is actually in the works.
1: I saw that, and it, and this is another one of our famous picks. That's a UK lottery winner. Yeah, and right. it's funny too because the other one was Grabbers, which is Irish. So it's interesting the two different ways, two different cultures uh, deal with the alien invasion.
0: (laughs) That's right. And again, this is a movie that has the visit to our planet by an alien race. Right. Or just neighbors visiting each other. There's a lot of that that happens in this too, whether they know it or not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we get visited Um, by some other sci-fi characters here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The movie was written and directed by a guy named Joe Cornish. Um, He actually is a pretty well-known British comedian television personality. Hmm. Um, He kind of got his start. Well, he was inspired to make films when he saw E.T., another Spielberg-inspired filmmaker. He's a huge Spielberg fan, and he got to work with him on Tintin. Oh, cool. So kind of his dream coming true. But as a teenager – now tell me you know, if you recognize <laughs> this. As a teenager, he would make movie spoofs with toys and puppets um, and record them. And eventually, that became a TV show on BBC4 with his friend Adam Buxton, which became the Adam and Joe show. Oh, cool. It ran for four seasons, and it's kind of a cult classic television show in England. So, you know, it's like Pee-wee's Playhouse, you know, I right. kind of like okay, to think yeah, of
1: okay. it. Well, it kind of sounds have, like the same setup as South Park.
0: Kind of. Yeah. Um, he actually was formally educated in film at Bournemouth film school when he was 18 and he went on to do TV um, doing Adam and Joe show and uh, making little, he made a show called little Britain as well. <laughs> he went on to do a uh, comedy lab and blunder, a bunch of shows you and I don't know, unfortunately
1: because we live in the wrong country.
0: Yeah. You can actually, you can do a YouTube search and find at least one app full episode of the Adam and Joe show. I watched a little bit and it is just like high school kids screwing around. Uh, well, that's kind of what this whole
1: podcast is. So <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. Um, he went on to do the kid who would be King. He directed that. Um, he did a documentary on hot fuzz, which is one of that trilogy of Simon yep. Pegg's. It's not actually Simon Pegg, it's Edgar Wright. He's the one who did Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Um just everybody knows Simon Pegg. So. Right. Uh, but that trilogy he did he did something on um Hot Fuzz and then he did Attack the Block. As a writer though, he also worked on The Adventures of Tintin and Ant-Man. Believe it or not. Ah, nice.
1: Good good uh rounded a little bit of here there and everywhere.
0: Yeah. He's acted too a little bit in Notting Hill and Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And he actually has an uncredited role as one of the resistance troopers in Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last well, there's, Jedi.
1: There's another uh, couple of links to that too.
0: Yeah. Um, he had wanted to work in television and was... Um, he had worked in television and wanted to <sighs> bide his time till the right story came along to make a movie. And this he decided was it. Um, he was talking to Edgar Wright... Um, and said he was going to make a movie with a cast of young actors who'd never been on screen before and night shots and creature effects and stunts with explosions and a dog. And then Joe <laughs> said, you're doing everything you shouldn't do. You're making <laughs> this as hard on yourself as possible. <laughs> um, he interviewed 1500 kids from local schools who had interests in drama and it had been in plays or been in drama clubs, etc., and picked his cast mostly from that.
1: Nice, I I absolutely love that because it's really a lot like Lucas did with the first Star Wars movie.
0: Yeah. Um, He made it a really grueling process just to make sure that the kids were willing to go through what they'd need to. So they would actually show up for calls and things like that. Um, Once he had the cast set, he continued writing his last two revisions, writing parts in the script specifically for the kids that he had cast in those roles. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Um, story has it, he's walking home one night and he gets mugged by these five guys, right? And afterwards, he decides he's going to do this deep dive research into the lives of people who live in the allotments in South London. And he researched how kids would react to alien invasions, their day-to-day lives, their slang. He incorporated all of these elements, sometimes directly, direct quotes from these interviews he put into this movie. He asked them what kind of weapons they would come up with to defend themselves if there was an alien invasion. Um, he had been watching signs. Uh, wasn't Mel Gibson in that? It's Mel an Gibson, I, it was Shyamalan, yeah. And he wondered how it would play out if it happened in South London.
1: And I, I actually uh, kind of could see that with this story because it's a very focused story. We have an alien invasion but it's really dealing with these group of kids and only them. We don't see the cops, we don't see the army coming out. We don't see the whole city and the mayor reacting. It's, it's these kids and how they deal with it. That's it. a very focused story for and it's like takes place in a few hours. I mean, it's you know, not over a long time. So,
0: I love stories like this. You do actually get to see the cops, but they're not heroes. <laughs> they're just as terrifying as the aliens. Um He had, the creatures were built with a mixture of costumes, uh, rotoscoping, oddly enough. Um, he actually references Bakshi's, uh, Lord of the Rings from the seventies. You know, he saw that (laughs) and he's like, no one's using this effect these days. Um, CG, CGI and puppetry. And the cast said how terrifying it was to be on set with them because it wasn't just a tennis ball on a stick on green screen. Um, but they have these big lurking monstrous shapes just kind of hanging around waiting for their call.
1: And I made that comment in my notes. I'm like, you know, for what's usually a a smaller budget movie for us, uh, something that people don't, you know, big blockbuster it's not, but the effects were amazing. Uh, I mean, even the first monster puppet, uh, uh, there was a bill like, okay, that one's not the absolute best, but everything else was great. Even that, that, first monster looked really good through the scenes because they cut it and shot it just right. It was, yeah, very impressive.
0: The cast actually was so disquieted by the first monster, they wouldn't even want to touch it. (laughs) That's excellent. uh, He wanted the movie uh, to be a response to how most movies depict kids in the developments of London as, as bestial, feral, dangerous animals. So he starts the movie with the characters... And they represent that image. I mean, that's exactly what they are. They're these wild, feral kids. And over time, you get to realize, you get to know them. And, and you realize, well, they're really not that bad. And they actually are proud of where they live. And and they seem to enjoy the environment. Right. So it's, I don't want to say it's character growth. Because there is character growth that happens in the show. But it's kind of audience growth in what you're seeing. And he he's, he's not saying it's a preconceived notion that these kids can be dangerous because he points out that they are, you know, at the start, but you get to know them and why. And, and, you know, this is just life to them. So
1: it, it's a lot like sons of anarchy. Here's a dangerous motor game that deals in guns and drugs and they kill people and stuff, but they're, they're, they're very protective of their town and they love what their town It's like, look, we keep this stuff out of town we don't let the drugs in and you know, the things that could make it worse. And that's a lot similar to these kids. And you see that with uh, the main character by the end, he, he, that I'm doing this because this is where I live. This is my place. Uh, It may be small. It may be a a crap hole, but it's ours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He um, also had this idea that um, the block itself was like a spaceship of its own. So uh, there's a a map shot. Uh, It it happens kind of quickly at the start. And if you actually pause it and take a look, all of the streets around the block are named after famous British sci-fi authors. Like Douglas Adams, he's got a street. Um, Alan Moore's got a street. H.G. Wells. I've lost your audio. Sorry, I coughed, so I blocked it.
1: Uh, I said oh, that, okay. that endears this to my heart even more.
0: Yeah, and there's actually some debate because uh, one of the roads is Herbert Way, and everyone's like, oh, it's Frank Herbert. But he wasn't British. He was an American writer. So they think it's named after some more obscure writer named James Herbert, who wrote uh, sci-fi books, and he lived in England. So, um, Now, this movie has a very large cast. Um, so I kind of just nitpicked well, the I ones got
1: to go two, over. Three main ones that I, I like.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it, I, I, have a con- I have a list off the one side of movies that have stars that you didn't know were in movies like this. Right, right. This could have been it. Oh, yeah. This, um, John Boyega plays the main character, Moses. Um, and this was his first major motion picture.
1: Man, to go from this to Star Wars.
0: <laughs> well, there was a couple yeah. other things, you know. Right. Uh, he tried out for the film after seeing an ad for it in the paper. So um, he's been in 36 different productions, um, and lots of them involve the fact um, that he plays Finn in the last three Star Wars movies. So there's a whole bunch of productions that are involve and revolve around the fact that he's playing Finn in the last three Star Wars movies. And he's going to be in the Borderlands movie that is yep, I in the process, and he's on board for Attack the Block 2. So and I saw that when
1: I, when I looked up a few things. I'm like, oh, a 2. Perfect. We, it was yeah. because we were doing the movie.
0: It was us. I'm sure. This is why. Right. <laughs> and when the movie comes out, what? We'll this sudden rush of people who... Looking us up. Yeah. Jody Whitaker plays Sam. Um, and she's been in 59 productions. Many of them are well, British television you haven't heard of. <laughs> well, um, Attack the Block was her first credit on the list that you'll recognize. But other notable productions include Black Mirror. She was in an episode of Black Mirror. She was in Broadchurch, which I really enjoy. Um, and then, of course, she is the famous or infamous female Doctor, Doctor Who. Who.
1: And she looks really young in this compared to Doctor Who. I mean, it's only a oh, difference yeah. of eight years
0: or so, but she looks way younger. Right. Um, Alex Esmail played Pest. Um, and he's been in 13 other productions, including the wonderfully titled Strippers versus Werewolves. Oh, I, but there's, I like that. I, I haven't seen it, but I, have, I haven't seen actually anything else on his list except Attack the Block. But Strippers vs. Werewolves is, you know, one that I thought I'd mention. And then France Drama plays Dennis. He's been in 28 other films, um, but most of those are associated with him being one half of DC's character Firestorm yes. in the WB series.
1: I recognize him.
0: Yeah, so he's been on Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so, Luke Treadway plays Bruis, and Brewis' character was based loosely on what Joe Cornish says he was like when he was 20. <laughs> I thought it was shaggy. <sighs> he's been in uh, some films since, Like forty five, and most of them you don't know. Although he was in the two thousand and ten version of Attack the Titans, or Clash of the Titans. Sorry, Clash of the Titans. Uh, Hunter plays high hats. Uh, He's been in forty other films, including Eden Lake, which is uh, another movie on my horror list. Um, and then of course Nick Frost, and Nick Frost plays Ron. And he's been in 72 other productions, including the comedy horror trilogy with World's End, Shaun of the Dead, and Hot Fuzz. Right. Um, There's a movie version of Kinky Boots. Who knew? Um, He was in a movie called Paul. And in the movie Paul, he had this long hair. And so he kept that long hair, which is why his character, uh, Ron, in Attack the Block, has long hair. It was left over from when he was in Paul. Okay. But yeah, he's been in lots of stuff. Snow White and the Huntsman, Ice Age 4, Phineas and Ferb, a couple Doctor Who episodes, Tomb Raider. He's been around the block. Wow. Huh. <laughs> ha! <That's cool. laughs> Pretty funny. Um, so the movie. The movie opens up. Uh, you have this starry sky and there's one shooting star. <laughs> and it pans down to the city skyline and there are fireworks going off because it's Guy Fox Night. Um, that gives us our location. It's London and a time it's November 5th, which is Guy Fawkes night. Um, The entire film was shot in 67 days and was pretty much shot in the order that it plays out on screen. Wow. So everything as it goes is how it goes. Guy Fawkes night um, is probably most familiar to Americans. If you've read or seen V for Vendetta um Guy Fox, that's the mask the guy in V wears and he's the one who tried to bomb parliaments way back when and then was executed summarily executed publicly and hey let's make a day of it it's a fun little celebration yeah um Sam uh again that's Jodie Whittaker she's getting off the tube and she's on the phone with her mom and she's walking home and she walks past some graffiti. And if you pause it when she walks past the graffiti, the graffiti is the name of the five guys that, we're about, that she is about to meet. Um, she walks a little further into the neighborhood. She gets more and more nervous and then she sees this gang. And the point of view jumps from the camera being on her as she's walking to the gang itself. And they seem to be kind of Last second strategizing, Moses is giving orders, and then um, the kids take off in their coordinated attack. Now, um, it's also kind of important, if you're watching this film or you're thinking about watching this film, it's a good time to point out that Joe Cornish does not shy away from the language, slang, and accent of South London.
1: Oh, yeah. Tons of it.
0: Yeah he thought of having it shot subtitled and translated like they were speaking a foreign language. Um, but he did an advanced screening in Chicago and North American audiences assured him that they could understand what was being said. So he did not do that.
1: Oh, nice. I I like that. Actually. I'd rather have it rather than translated to American English, proper English. (laughs) Yeah. And, but it also says something that he thought about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I, this whole movie, I mean, just this opening here, it's very strong. And the story in the movie is, we, we were talking about Save the Cat. Uh, you know, this follows that pretty much as a template. It hits every beat and it does everything you should do to build up a movie. Uh, and the story itself, even this beginning part, is it without spending a lot of time, you get a sense of these kids and what they're, and to them, their whole world is where they live, the block. That's their world. They're the Kings and you can look at it and their are strategizing is very kid like still it's as much as they can do. And it to them, they're the
0: top top of the food chain. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny you mentioned, um, save the cat for you. Those of you who don't know, it's a, <clears throat> it's kind of a guide to writing screenplays, or writing books, And the title of it is save the cat. And in an interview I was watching with Joe Cornish, he references it and he's like, it was very ironic because at the start he had a scene that got cut where the five of them actually attack a cat. (laughs) Um, And he, he just thought it was ironic considering that uh, he was like working with the book, save the cat as he was going on. That's pretty funny. So two of them approach Sam on bikes. They all have hoodies up. They pull up these masks that cover their face. Um, Two of them go past her on bikes. She's kind of startled by that. Then they stop and she realizes she's been surrounded. They take her money, her phone, and a ring. She's not eager to give them the ring, but Moses pulls out a switchblade. And the switchblade he pulls out turns out to be a really rare, expensive model. Um, it's a cop 241 Predator from the Czech Republic. It actually gets used in James Bond movies a lot. Um, but just a little trivia thrown in there. Oh, there you go. Um, Sam's struggling to get the, the ring off, and Moses gets mad and pushes her down, and then she gets it off and hands it to pests. And this bull-eyed comes crashing through the atmosphere and goes through the roof of a nearby parked car. Sam uses their distraction, this chance to run off and the bull light opened the car. So Moses is like, Hey, there could be some good stuff in that car. So he goes over and starts crawling into the car because the doors won't open. And that whole beginning with the thing crashing in and stuff, how often is that used?
1: I mean, it's like predator. It's like grabbers that we watched earlier, you know? So it's a very common thing. Uh, So again, just because it's a common thing sometimes you use those because it makes the audience understand and comfortable without
0: any more explanation. Yeah. In fact, um, an asteroid, they said roughly the size of half of a giraffe, uh, came down just, I think they said east of Iceland the other day. They don't know that any of it survived to hit the ocean, but, um, they certainly had a sonic boom and a nice light show. Oh, wow. I'll have to go (laughs) look for video. (laughs) Yeah, or aliens that um, are invading the So either either we need to call
1: our local gang kids or we need to start drinking. One of those will solve
0: the problem. Either way. Um so he climbs in, there's this alien inside. Um and it's like this kind of white waxy alien thing. Um it runs out, knocks him down, it jumps on him, attacks him, and then he pops out his little expensive switchblade and stabs it, and it takes off, but not before it scratches up his face.
1: Which, that seems to happen to Finn a lot in movies.
0: <laughs> I like to mess up that pretty face a little yeah. bit. It can seem more uh, relatable. Um, as it, refers, as it runs off, they refer to it as Dobby the Elf, which um, is kind of funny, because at several points throughout the movie, they refer to the aliens as mythical creatures from British stories. Yes. So it's a house elf, or it's gollum, or it's goblins. Um, you know all these little things that they're ref- referring to these things as they're taken off. Which I like that because you know that's what I do. Sure. They don't have a name, right? It's it's the thing that crashed through that car. Um, they Which chase is a after it on long to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they chase after it on their bikes and track it to a playground and it's hiding in a shed. Pest pulls out fireworks because apparently he's got them on him at all points in time. Well, it's the night, right? That's true. Guy Fox night. Um, so they light the fireworks and toss them in and the fireworks really seem to disturb the creature. Moses runs in there. Once he gets in there, he calls for backup and they all rush in and proceed to kick the shit out of the monster. Um, they're all proud of themselves. They're debating about what it is. Is it a monkey? Some beast? Pest declares that it's an alien, and it picked the wrong part of land, London to land in. The boys revel in their success, and the camera pans up, revealing a whole bunch of those shooting stars streaking down the sky. And then there's the title, of the text block, and that's when we get the map of the block. There's a shot of the map of the block. You get to see it. You get to see all the all the streets. Um a lot of those houses were built post World War II. Um and they're very imposing. They're very very large. They get a lot of people living in a very small space. Um and you can see it when you're looking at the map actually. It it looks like, you know, just a big solid chunk. <laughs> uh we go back to Sam who runs into a kindly old lady who offers to walk her home cuz she's obviously upset. This old lady is played by Maggie McCarthy, we have no idea who that is, but she's been a staple of BBC television series with like over seventy credits to her resume. Oh, so okay. if if you're in England and you're watching this, you're like, oh, it's that lady from Senders, you know. Um, there's a little talk between the two of them how the police probably won't even follow up and how horrible kids are these days. And the old woman actually refers to them as fucking monsters. <laughs> like, wow, okay, grandma. Um, but it turns out that the perfect thing is to fight aliens. Back to the kids, they decide to take the alien to Ron's, because uh, all Ron does is watch nature shows and smoke weed, and they figure he'll know what it is. Um, he's, he's smarter. Yeah <laughs> he watches nature shows. Yeah. As they're traveling along, Dennis is going through Sam's purse, tossing things aside that he deems aren't worth anything. Um, Jerome and Biggs are on the phone with their families, basically lying about what they're doing. um you Which know, shows hey, again how kid they really are. yeah, we're playing football, uh and then Dennis complains that Sam was a nurse, and they don't get paid anything, so and they like ask Moses why he always picks poor people to rob on the way to uh Ron's. We're introduced to the ladies of the block. And apparently they don't put up with any crap from anybody, including these five guys. And, um, when, when they, uh, bring the monster out to show them, the one girl says she doesn't want to touch it. Cause she doesn't want to catch chlamydia. <laughs> that chlamydia line was taken directly from Cornish's interviews and dropped directly into the script. So nice. pest gives a little wiggle screaming, it's alive. And then everybody goes running and the kids start laughing and they continue on their way. Um, and they were pointing out to Moses how into him Tia was, uh, one of the girls, Tia. Uh, Biggs gets up on this railing and a little piece of foreshadowing and says yeah. he wants to jump off of it. He's convinced he can jump off this railing from an overhanging walkway onto the stairwell below. And his friends convince him he'd never make it. And they all continue on their way. As he's walking away, he insists that he could. And we do find out later that he can make that jump. Right.
1: Yeah, again. This is one of those things that if they had just left in the movie later when he has to make the jump they're you know, we're giving that away um, that it would have been like, OK, great. He made the jump, but they threw this in here, you know, story that gets built up. So I love that, yep. that they do those things. And with the girls, too, it shows these are just kids. They look big and tough they and all that, but they're still just kids. They act like kids.
0: Absolutely. The more the thing goes on, the more you realize that they are just kids. Right. Um, and, you know, we'll get to it as it comes, but um, they run across two kids, Mayhem and Probs. <laughs> Those aren't their real names. Um, they're probably around nine, 10 years old, but they want to grow up to be gangsters like Moses and Crew. And they're trying to get them to call them Mayhem and Probs. And they're like, no, we're not going to call you that. And they kind of just ignore <laughs> them and walk on their way. Um, and then we're introduced to Bruce. Who's this scrawny white kid? He's got headphones in. He's listening to Ska. Um, and he, to the, he's here on the block to buy weed. He obviously doesn't fit in. Um, he, he, doesn't, he definitely is a fish out of water here a little bit. They do try um, and
1: be intimidating around him, but they don't seem to really mess with him. They know him. You know, he's, yeah. he's been there, and he's kind of a part of things, and but they're not trying to
0: mess with him. And the music he's listening to is great. I, no. I enjoy the soundtrack to this. I, I don't know how many actual songs are in it, but the ones that are in it seemed like on point. They're really, you know, hitting again, all the buttons. we talk a lot
1: about music and this one had some really great music, not just yeah. it had a mixture. Cause you had the, the ska stuff and you know, with beats and they had the rap and stuff, you know, with the gangsters, the music fit the scene very well. Yeah. And then you also had some orchestral stuff written in that was great. And it fit well. It didn't distract. It added. I, I thought they did a really good job with that music.
0: And the transitions were great too. They, they, nothing was jarring where they went straight from yes. one to the other. It all, it, it flowed really well. Yeah. Um, he gets a call from his dad and proceeds to lie to him about where he is. And during the conversation, it becomes obvious that his dad loves his car. Um, this becomes important later.
1: Yeah, another game, little foreshadowing. There's a yeah. lot of that, and it, it can stand out if you're watching for it, paying attention to it. But it's done very well, so it flows right in through the scene. It doesn't sound like, doesn't feel like they made a scene to point yeah. this out.
0: You know, it's so. not unnatural. Exactly. Um, the gang comes up. They take over his elevator, even though they're all going to the same place. They basically kick him out of the elevator and take the elevator up. Um we're back to Sam now and she's giving her report to the police about her mugging. And Hey, the police actually did show up good on them. Um, she does a good job of describing the kids and the police suggest she ride around with them as they drive around the block to see if she recognizes them, which I, thought, I go ahead. I was just going to say, I that's like way out of the way. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's an American thing. I can't picture the police showing up at your house and saying, well, hop in the car. We'll right. drive around. And, I thought the
1: same thing. I'm like, okay, maybe there's a culture difference because you know they're not usually in like gun car chases. Uh, that's probably more American, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they really do do that because they drive big vans instead of the cars. It seems.
0: Yeah. Which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, they offer to drop her off with a friend if she likes, and she refuses to be chased from her home by a bunch of bloody teenagers. So, you know, she's she's feisty.
1: She needs a sonic screwdriver.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would have solved it all.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we're back with the boys, they're at Ron's door. They they've hung the, the alien up in the shower and and Ron and Bruce are debating about what it is. And they suddenly pause and Ron says, You wanna buy some weed then? <laughs> so So they have an alien. They see an alien
1: and it's like, Yeah, okay, it doesn't really affect their life a whole lot.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Can we get to business now? The boys are sitting around smoking weed in the living room. He congratulates them on killing a possible extraterrestrial. Um, all the weed that is smoked in this movie uh, was actually herbal tobacco cigarettes. At least that's what they, that that's the story they're selling.
1: Well, that's what, uh, what's his name from X-Files on the smoking man always smoked. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Wow. I just always assumed they were just, you know, Marlboros or. No,
1: he's not a smoker.
0: <laughs> That's a really rough roll. <laughs> it is.
1: But you notice if you really watch, he doesn't actually puff it most of the time.
0: It just sits he'll there. He'll put him in his
1: mouth, he'll go to light it and then talk. Or he'll be holding it or, yeah. or it's in the thing, but he doesn't actually puff it a whole lot. Occasionally, wow. but yeah. Uh, the Not boys that convinced- you do that at all anymore. Oh my god, cigarettes, you can't show that anywhere.
0: Right. <laughs> the boys are convinced they're gonna be rich. Bruce attempts to join the conversation, saying he did a zoology module at uni, and he tries, but he still really doesn't fit in. However, as you're pointing out, it's a very natural way to foreshadow the expertise that he's actually going to have later on in the film.
1: And is this where he was watching the show? Uh, they, they,
0: yeah. There's a cut to him at the end of this scene where okay. he's watching TV. Um, it's an important shot of Bruce yeah. watching a nature documentary about how moths track each other by scent pheromones when it's time to mate. Right. They just, you know, it's just there almost as a break from one part of a scene to the next. And again, it's one
1: of those, if you're not paying attention, uh, it's just what's on TV. That's a, happens a lot, you know, but it's usually more important than people think. And their whole back and forth banter, uh, joking, picking on each other. It, it, very good dialogue for this. Oh
0: yeah. Incredible. Uh, Moses approaches Ron and asks him if he can keep it in the weed room. Cause it's the safest room on the block, which makes sense. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and Ron's like, I don't know if he can high hats is in there. So we need to ask him. And Moses is a little intimidated. Um, but when they get in high hats, seems happy to see him. Um, and agrees that he can, you know, keep it in there. Now it's really important to note. Um, that the whole time, Ron has not touched it. Moses obviously has. Um, Hi-Hats has a lieutenant there who's with him, and he touches it, but Hi-Hats does not. Um, he's got bigger business to bring up with Moses. He wants Moses to sell drugs for him, telling him they're going to make a lot of money. But he's super possessive, telling Moses that he belongs to him now. Yeah. And that's Hi-Hat's whole theme, is that I own everything. This is all mine. The block is his, right. in his, in his uh, opinion. Now, as we transition from the inside of the weed room, that's where we have the shot of Bruins yes. watching the moths. Got it. Okay. Uh, Moses comes back out, and the boys automatically know that he's been recruited, and they're all excited. And Moses takes a—they put this, the drugs in a small, empty cigarette box, which he stuffs in his sock. Um, during the celebration, Moses sees more of those bull coming down and the boys know it's an invasion. And now you can really tell they're like 14, 15 year old boys. Cause they are excited. <laughs> right. This is, this is just, I can see us doing this. when We were young, you know, I can see right. me doing it now. <laughs> yeah. They're going to rush off and grab their weapons. Let's go fuck them up. And they take off. and Ron says quite sweet. Really? Aren't they? I don't know about that, Ron, but okay. Well, he's high. I mean. Yeah, pretty much the whole movie. Yeah, which pretty much all his movies, right? Yeah. Um, we do get a glimpse of the boys' homes because they're rushing in and out of their homes to get their weapons. Um, They're grabbing bats, chains, knives, a display samurai sword. And, of course, one of them, uh, I think it's Dennis. His dad's like, take the dog out. And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm not asking. I'm telling. And so he has to take the dog. Poor Steve. I know. I wrote it down. I'm kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) We do not get to see the inside of Moses' house, though. There's a shot of him closing the door, but we don't actually get to see the inside of his house. Um, They take off on bikes, and they have a scooter, um, and they're being chased by mayhem and probs who want in on whatever action's going on. They go out to the park where they saw this thing land, and once they see the size of these ones, they're a bit scared. Yeah. You can see the imprint of it where it was inside the thing, where it came down. The creature, off in the distance, calls, and Pogo, the dog, jumps off and runs after it. Uh, Aliens won. In, In my notes, I literally have... Sorry, Steve. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i said oh man another dead dog good movie reese
0: <laughs> yeah i trust i do like dogs people it's um we do get a good look at the filmmakers alien- that don't like dogs it's true i don't know what their problem oh uh, we get a good look at the alien creatures here for the first time um cornish said the idea the concept for the creatures came from the inside uh, from the alien spate on the space invaders consoles so of the 80s Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's yeah. Oh, that's so
1: awesome. Picture up of that.
0: That's what he based them on. Um, their bravado becomes realism when they see how big this thing is and they think they see its eyes glowing and then it opens its mouth and those aren't eyes. It's rows upon rows of glowing blue teeth, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so they just take off. They're running. They even pass up mayhem and probs and they do shout back a warning about aliens, but they don't stick around to help them or anything. They're just gone. Um, And another little hint as to the nature of the creatures comes from the fact that mayhem and probs see the creature. And then the screen cuts, we find out later the creature doesn't do anything to them. We find out they're alive. So these guys are running away on their bikes and the cops show up. And, um, they have Sam with them. Uh, Moses drops his bike, like falls. The cops come out, they cuff him. They find the drugs that high hats gave him to sell. I mean, you know, and a switchblade. This kid's in a whole lot of legal trouble. Um, so he's cuffed and, um, they're putting him in the van and he can see in the rearview mirror of the van that the alien is coming.
1: Well, before that, he's standing there. He's like, get me in the van, quick. Get me,
0: (laughs) arrest me. Get me in there, quick. Lock me up, lock me up. Um, Sam's in the van with him, and she catches a glimpse of the alien in a rear view mirror for just a second. And then all of a sudden she sees a a cop just die. Um, And then the other cop dies. Again, both cops touched Moses an important note um, now you have these two aliens. They're on top of the van. They're trying to get in. They're like clawing. You can, the metal is denting. So they're serious about it. The boys are on a walkway way up above. They light up a giant firework and toss it at the van. Perfect shot. goes right underneath the van starts blowing up and it scatters the aliens. The aliens take off. Dennis grabs the scooter, heads right to the van. Freeze Moses, and then realizes the keys to the van are still in the van. So the two of them steal a cop car. Yeah, why not? Naturally. And they have Sam in there with them.
1: She's hilarious through some of this because she gets really bold at times, and other times she gets scared. And me, uh, you know, she's just totally out of her element. But she feels like she could get bold with these kids at times. Yeah, uh, and you see it.
0: There's there's actually one scene coming up where they're in her apartment and she's in the other room and she's like screwing up the courage to like kick these guys out of her apartment because right. she's sick of them being there. Um we get a side sh- we get a shot of Bruce, he's walking back to his car which it turns out is the one at the start that got hit with a bull Um and now he's all upset because he already lied to his dad once and then he hears sirens. So he jumps behind the weeds and calls Ron And Ron says, come back up to the apartment. So he heads back to Ron's apartment. And again, has no idea there's an alien invasion going on. He just knows the cops are there. He's running from the cops, basically. The boys drive the cop car slash van into the parking garage of the block. And as they turn the corner, they run head on into Hi-Hats in his car with his lieutenant. And Hi-Hats thinks it's the cops. And he's ready to run. Then he realizes it's the kids, and he grabs his gun, and he's pissed off. It was really important to Cornish that High Hats is the only guy in this movie with a gun. One, because guns are really hard to get in England. And two, he wants to point out that High Hats is really the only bad guy in the movie. Right. Everyone else you can identify with, but High Hats, he wanted this guy to be a villain. He is the villain. And you could even see it later. There's the scene in the car where
1: he's like, "I don't care what it takes, I'm going to get them." The other guy's like, "Oh, okay." And they buckle in. They're like
0: scared. Yeah. So yeah, they, they you know, he's definitely over the top crazy. Yeah, definitely the bad, the the black hat guy here. Um, Pest is there, and he's trying to explain to High Hats, um, and High Hats thinks he's just pulling this out of his butt. Um, something about aliens chasing them and. Then his partner, the the lieutenant who's with him, um, gets attacked and eaten by one. Like, the alien comes out and rips his throat out. And in my notes, I put, is he the first who died who did not touch the alien? And then I was like, no, because when it was in the weed room, he touched it by the head and was wiggling it around. So he did touch it. Hi-Hat shoots it, and the boys take off towards the storage unit. Inside, they have super handy things like bolt cutters, and they cut the handcuffs on Moses, and then they all hop on scooters and take off. Pest um, says, I'm shitting myself, isn't it? But at the same time, this is sick. Yeah. It's the whole boyhood thrill of adventure, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, they take the bikes up elevated sidewalks. I think there's three motorized scooters and two bicycles. But the aliens are right on top of them. And oh, two kids were on one bike. Right. They eventually ditch it and start running up some stairs. Um, Biggs runs and he gets to make that jump he always wanted to do. Uh, he makes the jump. Aliens are chasing him. He ends up hiding inside a dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was
1: waiting for an after credit scene uh, when I saw him jump at the dumpster and he was you know, not getting out. I was waiting for the after credit scene where he's like trying to get a hold of people. Hey guys, I'm here. Can I come out?
0: Yeah, the, But they
1: didn't, they didn't go
0: with the humor. Yeah. A pest drops his scooter, then hurls at one of the aliens that's on him before he runs off. And he joins the other three boys in the lobby of, of the block. But the alien goes right through the glass and bites his leg. Uh, Sam's just trying to get into her apartment. And these guys show up and they force their way into her apartment. She hides in her bedroom. Then, um, you know, being the obstinate thing that she is, she grabs a guitar and decides she's going to confront them. And she walks out and they tell her, they talk her down a bit and they convince her to help pests, because she is a nurse. And, and even though they're thugs, you could say this shows
1: they aren't really bad guys because they didn't like uh, you know, pull the knives and force her. They didn't, it's like, you're unimportant. There's something bigger going on here. And it wasn't yeah. personal with her earlier. It was just, you're there. You're a woman. We're five guys. We mugged you. We took your stuff. I don't even think Moses would have really stabbed her or anything. It was just, a threat. Yeah. you know, um, uh, and it really shows here that they're like, yeah, we don't care anymore.
0: And they point that out too, with the knife. They're like, it was just to scare you. We're trying to speed it up. Right. Um, So she actually starts helping pest aside from Moses. The boys go from being threatening thugs to these little boys, you know, throughout this scene, it it happens throughout the scene. Bruce and Ron are in the apartment getting high and being somewhat paranoid, but in this case, they're actually right. Um, and there's this whole thing where Bruce is talking about how hard his life is. He got busted and Ron's like, you got busted. And he's like, yeah, my parents found my weed. And then he talks about how he has to own rent. And he's like, Don't you live with your parents? He's like, Well, yeah, but, you know, I pay him a little something.
1: Well, so, it was more like he said, Well, yeah, you know, the, the
0: overall sense of it. Or, you know, it was, it was like, yeah. Well, you know what I mean, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely, it was, Brewis definitely comes from a much softer place than the block. Uh, back in the apartment, uh, Sam is treating Pest. He's hurt worse than she can deal with, she tells him. Uh, she can patch him up, but he needs to go to hospital. They say they'd never seen her there before. Uh, she says <laughs> She's thinking of moving, and they seem surprised and vaguely offended by that. Yes. Um, and then the aliens have found them and just bust the door down. Moses takes a samurai sword and kills it. And they discover that the uh, a- alien seems to be pa- uh, colored in, in ultra black which being a designer, I'm familiar with the concept of ultra black. It's like the blackest possible black. It seems beyond just flat. It's almost like it's a hole. Yeah. Um, And so that's what makes the fur up on these things. Sam is trying to get away, still trying to get away from these guys. Then here's the aliens down the hall and decides the guys are the lesser of the two evils. Um, And they're like, well, if you're coming with us, you need a weapon. They all introduce each other. She grabs a kitchen knife and the five of them take off. They decide they're going to um, head up Tia's flat because she's got security grating on the outside of her door. <laughs> it won't be as easy to knock the door down. High Hats gets a new gun and a couple members of her crew and they're headed back to the block. Because um, he's blaming the kids for everything. This is all about the kids. The alien ripped out his lieutenant's throat, but it had something to do. With something, right. It's still somehow the kid's fault. And he's like going through police cordons to do this, armed, I'm sure with drugs, but that's how ticked off this guy is about this. <laughs> right.
1: His, his little corner of the world where he's the big fish, he has to keep control of it.
0: Yep. Um, Biggs calls him from the dumpster. And he wants a rescue and they're like, we can't help you, but call everybody, you know, and let them know this is happening. So he tries calling the girls um, and the girls are like, call us back when you're not playing video games. And they hang up the phone because they can't understand what he's saying. And it's important to note that Biggs is using a phone that's paid by the minute. Right. So he's only got so much time left on the phone.
1: I think they all make comments like that or, you know, we've got these phones. We don't have much time and all yeah. that.
0: Um, Probs and Mayhem show up and they have weapons, including what looks like a gun. It looks enough like a gun that Dennis takes him, takes the gun from him, um, and leaves him with a super soaker. And as the gang's walking away from him, they're like, Yeah, you can get them all wet when you shoot them with a super soaker. And Mayhem mentions it doesn't have water in it. He never says what it is, not in that scene, but it's not water, he says. Right. Um, one of the girls dimples uh, doesn't want to let them into the apartment because they're all armed. Some of them are hurt. They don't even know who Sam is. Uh, Tia overrules her and they all go in and they don't believe the boy's story, but Sam backs them up. They ask how they know Sam. Um, and they, they're they like, Moses, when'd you start sleeping with your math teacher? Right. Uh, and she tells them that Moses <coughs> and the gang mugged her. And Tia gets pissed off. Um, Sam wants to call the cops. The girls say the boys will just be arrested and blamed for everything. And Moses goes off on this paranoid rant. Um, and it feels like the movie's getting a bit serious for a minute, where he's talking about how he thinks that the, the government made the aliens and sent them into the block because the blacks in the block aren't killing each other fast enough. So the aliens are there. And it feels like the movie is taking this serious turn. And then when he finishes his little soliloquy, Pest is like preach and the girls all laugh at him. And so all the seriousness, while what he's saying about how they are being victimized by, you know, the state itself is true. It's just daily life to them. And it also shows though, that Moses is actually as
1: a character, a step, You could say above the rest of them. the rest are like, this is our world. We live in it. That's the end of it. But he has, he can see beyond that. He can see more. And that's important for his character.
0: At this point, they pull back the curtains and surprise there's aliens right outside the window. Um, Dennis pulls out his gun and finds out it is just a toy. It's not a real gun. The aliens burst through the window and Daniel is the first of the group to die. They take Daniel down. Tia takes a floor lamp, smashes the bulb, and then starts to use it to electrocute one of them. And then the girls just wrap it in a sheet and proceed to fuck it up. I mean, they're beating it with an ice skate. (laughs) Um, Moses is going to attack the other one, and he pulls his sword back, you know, all samurai-like, and sticks it in the wall over his head. (laughs) And he can't get it out. And the thing's getting close to him. And Sam saves him by stabbing it under the chin with her kitchen knife. Right. And now she is part of the group. She has saved one Initiation. of them. Initiation. Yeah. And I uh, even
1: made a note. It's like, okay, boys and girls, have you been paying attention? They're going after Moses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and remember yep. the pheromones from earlier? Yep. High Hats runs into mayhem and probs, and they tell him where to find Moses. And he's like pointing the gun at him and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and they're not, looking at like,
1: and the, yeah. the, the, the two youngins were really humorous in that. It was very serious; could have went wrong. But they were like, they were impressed. They were shocked at awe. It's like, oh my, yeah. It yeah. was it was a good scene.
0: Good characters. Yeah. Uh, back inside, everyone pauses to look down at Dennis's body, and the girls point out that um. Moses killed one of them earlier, and your actions have consequences. And that seems to be the theme for Moses' character. Your actions have long-term consequences. Um, And the things seem determined to go after him. But that, you know, Moses actually takes this to heart. And this is where the character growth comes in, right? Um, Back out in the hall, Hi-Hats shows up. And he just starts shooting at people. So the group runs off and aliens burst out of Tia's apartment. Hi-hats run through his bullets and they all run to the elevator, but the alien joins them. Biggs is out in the dumpster and he's warned as many people as he can, but he can't get to the block because the police have the whole place cordoned off. He decides he's going to run for it, but there's an alien right outside that starts to attack the dumpster. The girls, on the other hand, flee the tower and no one's chasing them. Right. They're like, walk right on out. It, the way he does this, if you haven't put two and two together, if you've touched them, you have scent on them, which is what they're using to target you. The way he does it is so slick. Tia attacks one with a floor lamp. So she doesn't touch it. They wrap it in a sheet and then beat it to death. They don't touch it. Right. I mean, if you were to say it out loud, it would seem contrived, but actually seeing it happen makes all kinds of sense.
1: You get caught up in it. Yeah.
0: Unless you're paying
1: attention to story stuff.
0: (laughs) Right. 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 Um, Bruce is walking down the hall calls the elevator, it opens to reveal hi-hats, he's covered in blood, his two soldiers with him are dead, and there's a dead alien. And um, he tells Bruce he should take the next elevator. And then he gets off the elevator and starts to walk. The elevator door opens, and Moses and the gang get in, and Bruce is there, on the because he took the other elevator. He wants to know what's going on. They all decide they're going to go to Ron's weed room, because I hear It's the most secure place on the block. Mayhem and probs are outside. um, And the outside of the block is covered with these aliens effortlessly climbing up the outer wall. So they're on their way up. Back on the 19th floor, the crew's getting off the elevator. And they decide to shoot fireworks down the hall because they can hear the aliens down there. They'll use the noise and confusion as cover to make it to Ron's room. And they proceed with caution with Moses in the front with Roman candles, just shooting them down the hall and pest tossing firecrackers everywhere. But in the confusion, Jerome gets separated and turned around in the smoke.
1: Poor Jerome.
0: He's the second of the prey, second of the gang who falls prey to the aliens. Uh, Pest goes back for him uh, just in time to see them eat him. But Sam rescues Pest. So far, she's rescued two of them.
1: Um, She's doing good, racking them up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Uh, They make it to Ron's door. Uh, They want in, and Ron seems a little hesitant about letting them in, but he lets them in. He was hesitant because Hi-Hats is in there with the gun. He puts the gun at Moses and blames him for everything. Then you can see all these aliens in the glass behind him. They do the whole behind you thing, and he's like, I'm not going to fall for that, and the aliens smash in and, um, proceed to eat hi hats in probably the most gory visual of the entire film. Yeah, actually. Um, everybody else runs into the weed room. Once they're in there, Moses starts to feel reflective. He says, uh, if they knew that Sam lived on the block, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have mugged her. And, um, she doesn't know that that makes things any better. (laughs) right? (laughs) And then, uh, is, you know, fishing. He's like, do you have a boyfriend? And he's basically in doctors without borders. He's like in Ghana or something like that. And pest is like, what there aren't, it's helping poor kids here in Britain. Isn't flashy enough. He has to go someplace warm. That's when Brewis notices with the blacklight, the phosphorescent stuff that's on the alien and all over Moses. And then Brewis solves the whole thing. He he apostatized that what they found was a female who lands on the planet first and then uses pheromones so all the males go to track her down and now these guys are covered in the pheromones. Sam is clean, so in theory she can move through them without being seen and Moses can lure them into a trap so that's what they plan to do. And, And
1: like we've been talking about when you look at what he set up for the whole movie I mean, choosing these guys that are smoking weed, it solved so many problems in the movie, made it completely natural and it fit in multiple times and ways, you know? I mean, it's just, it would be difficult to always come up with a solution that fits so well as this did.
0: Well, and even to the point where the aliens don't seem to be smashing down the door to get into the weed room because Bruis and Ron had been smoking weed in that the other room all day long. So you've got all of that cannabis smoke that saturated everything, which is going to screw up their tracking. Right. And then the marijuana itself has a very pungent odor while it's growing and there's lots of it in there, which is going to mask whatever's in there. I don't know if like he we, we could give him the credit, you know, the benefit of the doubt and say he planned it that way but it was a really brilliant way of executing it.
1: I'm sure he planned it. I mean, it it fits way too well to, you know, it might've been like, Oh my God, I know it'll solve all our problems. It may
0: have been that, but
1: yeah, very brilliant choice.
0: Yeah. Um, mayhem and probs, uh, have this squirt gun, uh, (laughs) with a flaming liquid and, uh, they, they take out the one that has bigs cornered by, um, Mayhem spraying it and Prob's throwing a firecracker and the thing goes up in flames. Um and the kids are yeah <laughs> probs is like if you don't quit wine and no one's gonna ever call you mayhem. Um so they they do it, they're they're thrilled with themselves. They've killed when they take off and they run into a whole cadre of uh armed police which is, you know, a rare thing when the armed police are out. It's serious. <laughs> right. So they take off and jump in the dumpster, and they're hiding in the dumpster with pigs. <laughs> Sam, on the other hand, is pull- going through with um, Moses' plan. She's on her way down to his apartment. Uh, Moses makes Pest give her back her, her ring, which Pest has. He's not happy about it, but he gives it back to her. She walks out and you get to see Ron's bravery. He's in a different room of the apartment. He pokes his head out and uh, the place is full of things. And he's like, are they still out there? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, good luck. And he closes the door. (laughs) But the plan seems to be working. She walks through them and none of them hassle her at all. Um, And now we get to see the inside of Moses' apartment. And it turns out Moses is just a kid who lives in an apartment by himself at 15 years old. Uh, He has an uncle who's like never, ever around. So he has to turn the gas on on the oven, leave it open, and then get out of the block. So she leaves. They strap the female alien onto Moses' back, and he's off in a shower of bottle rockets. Uh, They're sitting there firing bottle rockets into the aliens to confuse them. The noise obviously works. The smoke works. He takes off and it's a foot race. It's him running with the aliens chasing after him back to his apartment. He gets in, he throws the female off to one side. The aliens all go straight to the female and then they like turn towards him and he's at the window and he files a bottle file. Wow. Fires a bottle rocket. Um, and it blows everything up. Yep. Boom. Big boom. Yep. Uh, he manages to hang onto a Union Jack that was hanging outside of the apartments, and he ends up being arrested. Um, and as they're loading him into the paddy wagon, like the girls and Biggs, um, they all know what he did to save the block, and so everyone's chanting his name. And the police are arresting him anyways. It's funny to me because they're arresting Pest, Ron, and Bruis, and all three of them are like resisting giving you know fighting against the cops moses does not he just stoically walks out and gets in and as he's sitting in there everyone's chanting his name and pest points out to him and he smiles so they're being arrested even though sam said they weren't the kids they were my neighbors they were helping me. so they got arrested anyways apparently, but it also showed oh sorry apparently what apparently he's not like sent to jail forever because they made a second one and he's in it right maybe the aliens break him out oh yeah
1: uh i i thought uh it showed a lot of his character growth because again like we said earlier he sees beyond just the block he just doesn't know how to get out of it but it's now he's he's the king they respect him more than they did hi-hat he really does control the block in a completely different way uh yeah you know and they admire him for that so he has a choice you know this is his big, uh, you know, hero's journey choice here, what he's going to do? Uh, and that may be where the block two takes off. I liked the pheromone thing because I really thought that the alien implanted something in him kind of like alien, uh, uh, you know, um, until they, I heard the pheromone thing. So I really liked that it wasn't, you know, something. You know,
0: I'm excited for two. Yeah, it's... Um... It was really well done and the like I said it's very authentic because Cornish felt so passionately about it did all this research rolled it all in and like told a really good story yeah in such a way that yeah it's it is a horror comedy for sure um cuz it's definitely funny but it, along it's also just a really good story
1: yeah it's and, and you know even though said you know they didn't make back the whole thirteen million or at least they hadn't made it back right away. it's got to be doing well enough and popular enough they're making a two, which you know when two comes out, they probably are going to get more funding, so it's probably going to make number one sell more or whatever right. again, so they probably will make back everything
0: then and this is the nice thing the nice this is this is what I liked about attack the block versus say. Tucker and Dale versus evil. They're both horror comedies. They're both very funny, but if I sit down and just deadpan, tell you the plot to Tucker and Dale versus evil versus the plot to, um, attack the block. One of them is a really good story and the other one's just silly. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Tucker and Dale isn't meant to be that good story. It's a silly, uh, horror. You know, it's, it's got horror elements. It's just a silly movie. I wouldn't even say comedy necessarily. It is, but it's like you said, silliness more than
0: comedy. Yeah. Uh, Sean, the Sean, the dead is the same kind of way. It's the story's just not there. It's not a bad movie. You know, it's humorous. It does what it does, but attack the block is humorous. And tells a good story at the same time, which I think makes it a very successful film. Right, but don't get me wrong. Tucker and Dale is definitely a top movie to
1: watch. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. Um, and you know, I love the I love the whole the whole trilogy: Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, and all you know, all three of those are great. It's just right. uh, I think Attack the Blocks nature elevates it a little bit above them. Absolutely, yeah it managed to be funny and well done. Yeah.
1: Definitely recommended movie uh if you like, you know, the horror of the aliens. Very strong.
0: Yeah. And honestly, aside from, you know, a little language, you could probably watch this with kids. Right. Um the gore that's in it is really no worse than Nazis being melted by the Lost Ark of the Covenant,
1: which I've got some good stories about seeing that with friends in the theater.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not it, it's one of those kind of movies that you don't have to shelve it away and be like, "Oh, this is too rough for my children." It's not. It really isn't. So
1: Yeah, it's really well done. Good movie. Good fun movie. So there's season 2, uh yep. and we are go plan doing a bonus episode uh with a- Event Horizon and contrast it with Europa Report.
0: So. Yeah, because I heard all of you guys complaining about, oh, why didn't you do Event Horizon? It's so much better than your Oprah report. Well, you know what? We're just going to compare the two and be yeah. done with it. There you go. Yeah. Uh,
1: it, and <laughs> definition of what's better is definitely subjective. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, two very and, different films.
1: And more people probably know Event Horizon, which makes it less fun for us to, you know, not as much fun to talk about movies that everybody's already talked about. yeah Yeah,
0: it and that's one of the reasons it wasn't on this list because one of the things for this list is this has to be a movie steve hasn't seen and i assumed you had seen event horizon
1: actually i had but uh so so good yeah even if i had it it'd be good for a bonus then
0: yeah yeah it's it's a good it'll make a good bonus episode talking about the two of them because they attack the problem very differently yeah absolutely all right man well there's season two we'll
1: finish up, wrap it up, get them out and be working on season three here pretty quick. Awesome. Cool. Later. Bye.
0: The creature slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again.